0: Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we'll have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that impacts your agency and organization. Today, we'll have Arthur Hickens, Chief Evangelist of Parasol. Good day, Arthur. How are you doing? Great, Kevin. How are you doing? well i'm glad to have you on our podcast today i think we have a lot of very interesting things to talk about um in the news you want to talk about the things that the latest things that has been in the news in a recent article by john mcafee he stated that we aren't talking enough about cybersecurity.
1: do you agree with him you know it's an interesting question because you know you and i we're we're stuck in the middle of this world and we talk about it all the time so sometimes i think maybe we are but when I go out and talk to you know potential customers of ours and and talk to other companies, I find that they really aren't thinking about it enough. So I feel like we might be talking about it, but not effectively. That that we need people to really understand the risks, the costs, and and what to do. And I think that's maybe where we're falling down is is the content of the message.
0: I know he was talking generally about cybersecurity, but I'm gonna be a little bit biased. I personally don't think we're talking about software security enough. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Okay. So, yeah, if if we break it tighter to software security, absolutely not. You know, and and in my Twitter feed and things like that, I constantly push out things that are cybersecurity. But the software security ones, even, even I feel like I'm not doing enough specifically around the software side. And it's easy to fall into the... You know, let's worry about malware and phishing and and emails and things like that. But how the software is constructed is crucial. And probably if we did a really great job there, the rest of cybersecurity would be a whole lot easier.
0: I was going through your blog site the other day, and I noticed that you had a Internet of Things Hall of of Fame, I should say, not fame, but Hall of Shame. Essentially yeah. <laughs> essentially a list of IoT devices that have been hacked. What's the best way, or what else to say, what's the best approach to this problem in securing IoT devices? What do you think is the best approach in, in securing you IoT know, devices?
1: This was a really funny thing because as part of my cybersecurity talks, I started adding a slide that was pictures of stuff, things, normal things, household things. And I would ask people, which one of these devices has been hacked? And the answer, of course, was all of them. And as I started collecting, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, yeah, I put up the hall of shame. And I've still got maybe 20 entries that I know of that I'm going to be adding to it, and God knows how many more. So there's a pretty serious problem in the IoT space. And I think that to get there, we have to go back to first principles. I look at the the revolution, really, in manufacturing and engineering that occurred because of following principles like Deming's. Deming's third principle is cease dependence on inspection to achieve, I'm going to say security instead of quality. Eliminate the need for inspection on a mass basis by building security into the product in the first place. And I think that is the thing that we have to do. Look, IoT is about engineering. We're building devices. And cybersecurity also has to be, especially software security, has to be about engineering, meaning we have to move from, I'm going to have a security team. We're going to pen test. We're going to try and break and hack into the device. We've got to move to more of a an idea that says, let me understand the root causes. Why are the hackers getting in? Let me build software that isn't hackable in the first place. Let me harden the code. And I think until we start that mindset of hardening the code, of building security in, that we're in for a really wild ride.
0: You know, I want to follow up on that question, You know, because I'm seeing more and more government use IOT devices for their mission, to support their mission. What advice would you give to federal agencies in installing and deploying iot devices
1: don't no. <laughs> the i think the the trick is to make sure that you do be, that you know ideally you'd get an acceptance test that you knew what software security controls had been used, what kind of uh, analysis had been done, and how well it passed. But I think also you do need to make sure, especially where it's going to be mission critical, that you know how the device can be subverted. So I think about the light bulb hack, right, That that's in the hall of shame. And you think, okay, big deal. It's my light bulb. Someone's going to turn it on, turn it off. I don't view that as an issue. And when you're looking at, at, at mission use, you need to think not about the device itself necessarily, but what does the device give access to? And so we see with the light bulb hack that it uses an an ancient factory protocol designed to be used in a secure controlled system, and if you put it in the wild, that protocol gives you full access to the router. So what we have to look for is not just what's the risk of the device itself being exploited, but what else will I get access to? And we saw the same thing with the the Foscam baby monitor hack, that it gives access to the router. So we need to look out for that, that, that when the device has been penetrated, has been compromised, that it's not really doing something hor- horribly bad to us.
0: Parasoft was one of the first vendors to agree to have their tool available in the Swamp, the Software Assurance Marketplace, which is funded by DHS s and And one of the goals of the Swamp is to provide a collaborative research environment where tool developers could bring their tools and hopefully improve their tool over a period of time through what is called continuous assurance so i want to ask you why is it important for parasoft as well as other static analysis tool vendors to participate in the swamp
1: you know it's the swamp i i liked the idea when when i first heard about it because Instead of just saying, hey, here's a bunch of static analysis tools that open source projects can use, it is a more collaborative environment. Now, the the end users don't necessarily feel that. They get to use a whole bunch of tools and all the results are normalized, but as a vendor, I get to find out that, hey, these rules are firing. These rules are never firing. People don't like these rules. These rules are, are viewed as having false positives. People are wondering why tool A found this, but your tool didn't find this. And so the ability to really do an in-depth agnostic look at what our tool's finding and, and perhaps more importantly what it's not finding in the real world on unknown code is really, really valuable. And and, and I know, Kevin, this is one of your favorite soapboxes as well as mine. The science of static analysis is still way too immature. And I believe the value that we can get out of it, we're getting maybe 10% of it right now. I think there's so much more that we can do with it. And so places like the swamp really give us the environment to push the science forward.
0: Arthur, I want to shift focus for a second. And we're seeing a lot of uh, software being built at a very fast and rapid pace. And that's part of the whole continuous delivery um, aspect of of providing software. The expectation is to release software, have software releases very frequently. As you know, building software faster increases the likelihood for vulnerable software, creating more bugs at a faster pace. With this in mind, what should federal agencies do to ensure that they are not consuming bad software at a faster pace
1: yeah we have a phrase around here right vulnerability and velocity right <laughs> and that, that is true and i think there's a misunderstood piece of this as well which is that 80 percent of software security issues are quality issues and this drive toward continuous which is really kind of the holy grail when it works right has the potential for delivering a lot more attack surfaces much more quickly. So I think, A, you need to make sure that the security is baked in, because when you're delivering continuously, it takes out that time slot for the humans to hack away at the application. It's simply not possible. If you're if you're a true continuous deployment, there's no space for human manual activity at all. So you've got to make sure – whatever external testing you're doing uh pen testing et cetera, is all scripted and you need to make sure that you're just hardening the code in the first place and i think a crucial piece for federal agencies is that we have to start getting static analysis built into contracts that go out and static analysis results coming out of you know maybe even caught software right that we know CWE isn't a perfect thing out there but I would say it's probably the best thing we have and if if we took every piece of software and did the simplest thing, make sure that it has no vulnerabilities in the CWE top 25, I think we'd take a huge dent out of the problem today. Cuz the the beauty of the CWE is that instead of taking just a let me find the, you know, the symptoms approach, there's a lot of CWE rules that are really around root cause. And if you stop doing buffer overflow, for example, you'll never get a problem like a Heartbleed. So, So I think we really have to start taking static analysis seriously, requiring it that at the moment of contracting, and use the same tool as acceptance criteria.
0: Arthur, it's been a great time talking to you today. Uh, you have any parting shots? What can we expect from Parasoft in 2016? And what are some of the best practices or recommendations you give the federal government in terms of cyber?
1: Sure, Kevin. Thanks. I, I appreciate the chance. And we, we are uh, kind of shifting the way that we focus static analysis and security over the years. We used to view that you would take the tool and – Configure the tightest possible rule set to get the best possible answer. And we've moved to more of a big data approach where we run every possible static analysis rule on the planet and then take into account your bug tracking system, your your requirement system, your work system, your source control system, your unit test results, your coverage or metrics so that we can help you better prioritize and use static analysis as a way to do both root cause analysis and prevention. So it's a pretty interesting thing to take a look at where we're now leveraging big data and analytics to provide more meaningful results to help you manage your risk. And, again, you know, I would say, what can people do? Where do I tell people to start? It's always start building it in. Get a basic set of simple, simple security practices in place and do them constantly, consistently, and I would honestly rather see people take, you know, five or ten static analysis security rules, run them religiously every day on every line of code, than check security once per release, once a month, once every six months. I think it's like exercise. You've got to treat cybersecurity as a regular daily event as just part of your world and accept that that's, that's the world we live in now.
0: Arthur, it's been great talking to you. Take care. Great. Have a great 2016. Thanks,
1: Kevin. You too.
0: Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Arthur Hickens. Also, want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on FedScoot Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.